As you hear sounds coming up in your head, thoughts, you simply listen to them as part of the general noise going on, just as you would be listening to the sound of my voice, or just as you would be listening to cars going by, or to birds chattering outside the window. So look at your own thoughts as just noises. This is Billy Hansen, and welcome to another episode of Sauce Talk, a podcast about sports and the mind and trying to live well in general. Today's episode is going to be an interview with Ryan Beastie. Beastie played basketball for Regis University in Denver and helped them win their first ever RMAC championship in his sophomore season. He ranks first all-time in Regis basketball history in both games played and defensive rebounds and fourth in overall rebounds. He was a career 40% three-point shooter in college, and in his senior season, he averaged nine points on 48% shooting from the field, 45% shooting from the three, and 79% from the line. In his senior season, he was named as an honorable mention to the all-conference team. Since graduating from Regis, Beastie has played three seasons professionally in Germany and England, and has a new contract in Australia for the upcoming season. In this podcast, we discuss his basketball career progression, confidence issues at the free throw line, his physical training regimen and how that's evolved over time, his commitment to meditation and his current meditation practice, how he affects winning on the court in ways that don't always show up on the stat sheet and other topics. It's a pleasure getting Beastie on the podcast. I played with him for one season and coached him for two seasons and have been following his career since I left the program. And he, as you'll hear in the podcast, made a great impression and left a great legacy at Regis for being one of the hardest working and consistently tough uh, players, was also an excellent teammate and really brought a lot to the basketball court. And I'm happy to see that he's carved out a great professional career as well. So without further delay, here is my interview with Ryan Beeston. stuff yourself yeah i do i do uh, yeah if more people listened and donated i wouldn't have to do all this prep work you know <laughs> yeah i feel you man <laughs> i might leave i might leave that in and try to guilt trip my like thir- <laughs> yeah. my, my, my 30 fans uh, <laughs> all right ryan beastie thank you for coming on the sauce talk podcast pleasure mate a big fan so it's exciting to be here <laughs> Yeah, so why don't you just briefly take me through your childhood sports experience? Did you play any other sports than basketball? Um, what was your youth sports experience like? Yeah, so I guess when I was like really young, probably like seven, eight, I played um, Australian rules football. Mm. Uh, do you know much about that? It's a bit weird for people playing. No, I'm, I'm picturing like. <laughs> Like rugby, like a bunch of big beefy Aussies like running around. Is that is that close? <laughs> yeah, somewhat. It's <laughs> some big fellows, but you got to like just kick the ball through some posts, and you get some points for different posts. Anyway, played that mm-hmm. for a couple of years, and then I did, like you say, a bit of rugby as well. Um, but this was like all up until the age ten, and mm-hmm. then when I was ten, my mum signed me up for basketball, and I just kind of I never really looked back from there. I did play a bit more rugby in high school when I was about 13, 14. Uh, but that only, that only lasted for about two years or so. And it was basically just basketball was the main focus, uh, majority of the way. Okay. Did your parents, were they athletes? Uh, Mum played sport, but nothing serious. Uh, Dad has always been, he's pretty, a pretty serious runner for most of his life. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, and he's fully into it. So he's... Uh, up until a couple of years ago, like he was, he was going pretty fast. He had a few injuries, but uh, his whole life he's basically been running at a pretty so decent level. Does he do like marathons or ultra marathons or what? He's done marathons in his life, but uh, more so like uh, you know ten k's, things okay. like that. You know, yeah. Cool, nice. Um, okay, and so you had. Oh, do you have one more question about? 
your youth experience. Do you have siblings? I forgot. Yeah, I have a sister, uh, older sister. Right. She's uh, what, she's about to turn thirty. A okay. few years older than me, about four or five, four years older than me. Um, she did dancing as a sport. Uh, okay. n- never really did anything like team sports or ball sports or anything like that. Okay. So you, when when did you decide to come to America for college? Yeah, I guess, um, I don't know. I kind of got the seed planted in my head. I saw guys going over and doing it from Australia because I guess a while ago it wasn't that big of a thing to do, but it kind of, it's really exploded um, with a lot of Australian guys going over to America. And it seemed like, you know, America is the place to be um, for basketball, mm. you know. Um, so it was just kind of an experience I always wanted to have. And then I guess one of my coaches, uh, when I was younger, he was from America and he kind of opened my eyes to, you know, it's, it's a possibility that you could do it as well. Mm. Um, and then, you know, kind of probably since I was like 14, it's always been what I wanted to do. Okay. And is that like, I'm curious, is that like a, a thing in, in Australia, like at your high school, was that like a cool thing to do to like, I'm going to go to America and play basketball. Kind of like in the U S it's like, what are your goals? Especially for people like me going D2, it was like, Oh, I'm going to go pro Mm -hmm. overseas. Like that was the, Mm -hmm. that was kind of the thing. Like what was there? Was there a culture around that amongst America or Australian basketball players? Yeah. I mean, it was seen as a pretty, like, you know, if you wanted to make something in basketball, um, not necessarily, but you know, it seemed like you were pretty serious if that's what you were going to do, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I guess a lot of the guys I played with and, um, you know, around my age, that's what they wanted to do if they were going to progress their career. Um, not to say that you couldn't progress your career doing other things, but it would, it would seem at the time, like everyone wanted to do it. Okay. And did you consider any other colleges besides Regis? Yeah. So I had a bit of an interesting, like recruiting experience. So I had, I had a few, a few schools that I was in contact with, um, a couple of uh, a couple of D1s, a couple of D2s. And then I ended up, so I had an injury when I was about 17, I think, where I broke both my arms. And no yeah, bro, uh, failed dunk attempt. So don't try oh, that. Wow. But um, yeah, so that happened. And then I was trying to get film out to these schools, but I didn't have any more to send. Um, and I, you know, had two broken arms and that was for like three months or so. So I had nothing to send over um, after my original tape that I sent out because, you know, colleges want, you know, they want to do their research before they offer you. Yeah. Um, so nothing came of that, them schools, because I was out for too long, but that's okay. Kept going. And then uh, I ended up going to a JUCO before Regis. The year before I went to Regis, I went to a JUCO mm. uh, in Iowa, but that, uh, that didn't work out for me. I was only there for like a month, literally, and then came home. Um, what happened? Which there? just uh, probably a bit too immature for it. Uh, got really homesick. Had a girlfriend at home at the time, and it was mm. just like my head just wasn't in it. Um, mm. There was a it was an interesting time because I was like, you know, I had all these people around me being like, Oh, where are you going to America and all this? And then like a month later I was back. So it's like, <laughs> right. I was like, fucking hell. Like, what am I going to tell these people? And like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, what am I going to do now? You know? Um, yeah. so, so as soon as I got back, I'm like, what did I just do? Like I kind of immediately regretted it. Hmm. Um, so then I was just playing back home kind of for fun. Um, uh, in the it's amateur semi-pro whatever you want to call it um league back home playing in that for fun and then what like i wasn't even looking at going back over i was just like well that's basketball done for me basically mm. um and then one of my coaches um damien cotter he's uh he had a lot of contacts overseas and he was good friends with brady mm. uh, brady bergson and brady had just got the job at regis and um Damien kind of linked me up with him, had a few conversations and then they ended up offering me and I was just like, I had to jump at this opportunity, you know, um, I, don't, I don't really care what it is. I'm just taking it because, you know, I blew the last one. So I just had so to So well, that's interesting. So did you, after being homesick and coming back, 
what was it like getting on the plane to go back to America this time? Were you determined to stick it out or um, nervous? What, what was your mindset like when you left Australia again? Yeah, um, no doubt. There was no way I was coming home. Like I was, that was just, <laughs> that wasn't an option at um, all. It was your, just, your I think, yeah. like, oh, I'm back again. It didn't work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They were like, yeah, we'll see you in a couple of months, mate. <laughs> but um, no, there was no way I was coming back. Like I didn't care how bad it was. If I hated it, I was just, I was sticking it out. And that mm. was, uh, you know, so, but luckily it was a good situation. So, you know, things work out. Yeah, definitely. And so that, for some context, your first year at Regis was my senior year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we played together for your first year. And then I coached you for two years. And was on I was on staff and you were a key piece in the championship season in 2018. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, uh, did you struggle with any more homesickness at Regis? I thought I actually remember you having kind of a tough time freshman year for a while. Um, what was that like? Did you did you have similar difficulties that you had at your JC in that first year or at all at Regis? Um, you know, for, whenever I go anywhere, like anytime I go anywhere, the first couple of weeks, I'm always like, what am I doing here? Like, why didn't I just stay home? You always have mm-hmm. these thoughts. It's like, you know, it's it's until you settle into the environment. Um, yeah. I guess the struggles that you might be referring to is about a month or so after I got to America, my granddad died, mm. who I was really close with back home. Um, mm. So that was a kind of a tough period for me. But in terms of homesickness, it wasn't, I wasn't really homesick at all. And that even, even like going home for his funeral, that was never going to be an option. Like he wanted me to stay. It was like, stay, don't you know, just, mm. you know, do, do your thing. So that was kind of helpful, but um, that was kind of a tough period there for a little bit, but I really enjoyed it once I got there and gave it a chance, you know, it was great. Nice. Yeah. And you, you were a starter freshman year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Had a good season. Um, we were building the program back with a, you know, brand new coach, brand new staff, bunch of new players and didn't win a ton of games that season, but we're in a lot of games and it was more competitive mm-hmm. that year than it had been for me. Um, and I thought that was a, just a positive season generally. Mm-hmm. And then moved on to your sophomore and junior season and, you know, sophomore season, you guys won like 20 games, I think, or at least 20 games. And then junior season was the, the conference championship and a tournament win and all of that. Um, and you were just so the listeners know, like very good player, just universally loved by the coaching staff and great teammates, really hard worker and um, just had a lot of success from the beginning. And what I guess, you know, we could go through all of your successes, but I kind of want to focus on some of the mental side of your college career before we move on to your pro career. So there, I think I remember it was either sophomore or junior season where you were shooting it well from, both the field and the three-point line, but really struggling at the free-throw line. Do you remember which season that was? Uh, I think it might have been both. <laughs> really? Okay, right. I, I think sophomore, junior were not great from the free-throw line. Uh, probably junior especially. Okay. It was pretty shitty percentage. But yeah, anyway, go on. Yeah, and I remember there was, you know, it, like, it was noticeable. Like, okay, he's shooting well from the three-point line, but, you know, you were in the paint a lot and getting fouled and going to the line pretty often and just having a tough time making free throws. And I can relate to this because, and I've spoken about this on the podcast before, you know, I got, I, I got recruited just pretty much to shoot and like, you know, mm-hmm. be a good teammate and be tough and stuff. But like, if I wasn't making shots, I wasn't really helping as much as I was hurting out there. And there was a period where I was struggling really bad with performance anxiety and confidence issues. And I was shooting both in practice and games less than 50% from the free throw line when I was like, you know, 85% or in like sixth grade. So it was just like (laughs) really frustrating. And I could see it in you of just being, you know, frustrated and trying different things. So I basically just wanted you to take me through that experience of struggling at the line and what that was like. Yeah. I don't even, I'm like, I don't know where it came from. You know, it was just like all of a sudden I just had, I didn't have this confidence to shoot free throws, which was weird. Like you say, like I'd shoot threes fine. 
uh, and whatever else. I was really confident shooting them, but when I get to the free throw line, I'd be like, "Fuck! Well, here we go again. Another two misses." Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, yeah, I don't know where that came from or why that came about, but it was a bit of an issue for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And then, if I remember correctly, you shot free throws very well your senior year, right? Yeah, really well, yeah. And, and you know, I think your your shooting stats were amazing senior year, both from the field and the free throw line and from the three-point line. Do you remember yeah. what happened? Did it just kind of happen that you found your confidence? Did anything change with your routine or your approach or psychologically? What, what do you think led to that improvement? Um. I think I just kind of cared less. Like, uh, you know, I didn't care if I missed, you know. I was just like, well, hmm. the worst thing that happens is I'm going to miss, you know. I've missed tons of them before, so whatever. I just shoot it, shoot it with confidence. It goes in, it goes in, it misses, it misses, you know. Hmm. Um, did a bit of work with the uh, sports psychologist at Regis, uh, hmm. which she was, she was pretty helpful. Um, just like with different strategies and stuff. Um, do you remember what kind of strategies resonated with you when you worked with her? Um, I was just kind of, I, I talked to you a bit about this too, but it was just like, um, you know, coming back to the moment and like, like feeling your feet on the floor, things like that, just to trigger you back into the, the moment instead of worrying about, you know, if it's going to be a miss or a make or whatever, you know. Mm. Um, so I'd just like, you know, do my routine, whatever, feel my feet on the floor and then just, you know, let it fly and, you know, whatever happened, happened. Taking a break from the conversation to thank you for listening to the podcast and for supporting my work. My new book, which is titled Harder Than I Thought, Easier Than I Feared, with the subtitle Sports, Anxiety, and the Power of Meditation, is now out and for sale. So if you want to pick up a copy, you should click the link in the show notes or go to billyhanson.net forward slash book. The book is about my own athletic experience from youth sports through college basketball and is focused on my mental difficulties in college and how meditation helped me overcome them and also helped me transition productively out of sports. And throughout the book, I summarize ideas that stem from my experience and also from books that I've read on both sports and meditation and other sources. And I'm hoping that the book can be useful and interesting to players, coaches, and parents. So if you're interested or if you know someone who's interested, you should consider picking up a copy. Other ways to support me and the show is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and also to subscribe to get new episodes. Best way to stay in contact with me and my work is to subscribe to my newsletter, which you can find at billyhanson.net forward slash newsletter. And if you have picked up a copy of the book and you like it, you should leave a review on Amazon. Thank you so much for listening. And now back to my conversation with Ryan Beastie. I sent you a text during your senior season. So I was no longer a coach when you were a senior and you were killing, like having, you know, playing really, really well, not just with scoring stats, but defensively and your energy and like just had an amazing senior season. Um, And... I, t- I remember texting you, congratulating you, I think, on some of your numbers because I looked and I was like, Jesus, you're shooting the shit out of it. And mm-hmm. I think, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you stop checking your shooting stats at one point? Yeah, I think that was like junior year. I was just like, I, I didn't look at stats after games because it, you know, it was just another thing to worry about, wasn't it? And uh, I, I didn't think that it benefited me by looking at them. You know, it's, it's mm. good to know how you're going and stuff, but like, I feel like I, f- I can feel if I've had a good game or not. Mm. Um, and that's not always going to show up in the stat sheet. Um, yeah. There's obviously things like stats are very helpful, obviously, but for me, I just didn't feel like it was benefiting me. Mm. So I kind of stopped doing that for a while there. And was that a decision that you made before the season? Like, okay, I'm not going to look at my stats this year. Or was it just like after one game, you, you just felt like, you know, I know I played well or I didn't play that good and I'm, I don't need to look at these because it's just going to add to the whatever part of your mind that isn't healthy. Does that yeah, question make sense? Yeah, uh, yeah no, for sure. Um, it wasn't a decision I made during this, uh, before the season, sorry. It was just kind of as I was going along, I just I was like, I don't, don't really care anymore. Just play, you know, we're, we're winning games, so let's go with that, you know. 
Yeah. It's interesting because um, for whatever reason, we didn't um, – my high school team didn't track stats or maybe mm-hmm. they did, but they didn't show us. And so like – I grew up without having to worry about like shooting stats at all. And it was the same kind of thing. Like I knew if I was playing well or playing poorly, but there was also a dynamic of like, I could take 22 shots and make seven of them and be the leading scorer. And in the paper they'd print like, Oh, Hanson led the Grizzlies with 18 points. (laughs) Even though I like was like Russell Westbrook out there. Um, and, And so, you know, that, that was an issue, but I just remember getting to Regis and all of a sudden there was an emphasis on, Oh, well you, you know, I, I remember thinking, Oh, I made two of my last 14 threes. Like that's not good. You know, like, uh, <laughs> and then I got, I got in my own head pretty quick. So yeah, the whole, yeah. um, and then there's some coaches too, like who, who really emphasize like shooting stats and practice and, sh- and all of these different metrics to try to motivate players. But I think that that can sometimes be counterproductive. Do you, uh, jumping mm-hmm. ahead a little bit, do you what what's your relationship to statistics like now in the pros? Uh, you know, check them check them every now and then. Um, I'd say most games actually probably look at them after. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of went away from what I was doing in college, but yeah, I'd say most most games I'd have a look at the stats after. Mm. Okay, and what um you took to the practice of meditation in college? Can you? Mm-hmm. Tell me about how you became interested and maybe what it did for you and any any thoughts you have on meditation in relationship to basketball. Sure. Uh, so I think, if I remember correctly, I think I would have got into it through you because I remember even in my freshman year when you were a senior, right, you were practicing? Yeah. I don't know if I was yeah. public about it or encouraging anyone no. else to um but i would i had my little pregame routine yeah yeah right and then as you became a coach you started running the the meditation sessions for players pregame um right and also just like you gave me that book to read the um mindful athlete right yeah george mumford yeah yeah so that was my first introduction to meditation um mm. i thought it could be you know pretty useful cuz i used to get pretty anxious before games my whole thing was like the whole lead up to the game would be just like a uh, pain in the ass, you know, like the whole day leading up to it would be like, Oh God, what's going to happen? <laughs> you know? yeah, right. but once I, once I, once I got in the game, I was usually fine and I didn't really feel nervous or anything. It was just the build up towards it. Yeah. So it was like maybe the, um, maybe medication could kind of, you know, help reduce that anxiety. And, um, you know, I kind of got into practicing, um, mainly with you to begin with, but then I started doing my own thing as well, uh, just kind of daily routine, which is, you know, it's been on and off over the past few years. Um, at times I wasn't as consistent as I would have liked to be, but um, I'm in a pretty good, uh, like to this day, I'm in a pretty good routine of it. Um, and I found, I found that it helped me a lot, actually. Um, you yeah. know, less anxiety, is more focused, um, just kind of more in the moment would be my main takeaway from it. Nice. Nice. And is there any way that your practice has evolved over time in terms of when you like to do it or what kind of resources you like to use or even, you know, just in college, like what, is there anything you discovered about the practice that you resonated with and that you like to do or your, just any, anything on like the practical side of when you practice or what you like to do with it? Yeah, so I was usually doing it at night time. I'd always do it at night before I was kind of going to bed. Like as I was winding down for the night, I'd get in a meditation like five or ten minutes just before bed. Mm. Um, and then I would also I'd do it before games we played, either with you or with uh, – we had some recordings too that you sent mm-hmm. out, so we use them. Um, nice. And these days I use a Headspace app. Um, which is pretty good. Got a lot of different kind of guided meditations on there. So I use that these days. Nice. Nice. And what, how do you reflect overall on your career at Regis looking back on it from getting there, going through the program being, I think, were you a four year starter? Yeah. Let's go with like three and a half. Three and a half. Through my junior year, I didn't start, but uh, every sophomore, Freshman, sophomore, and senior, I did, and then half that's of the right. half the juniors games I did. Right, that's right. And so, um, 
you know, really a great career at Regis. You definitely left your mark there in terms of just all of your teammates and the coaches and how much of an impact you had. How do you look back on your college career in general? Uh, phenomenal, man. Like, not not like performance wise. Like, I was happy with how I performed, but like, but like, but just the whole experience was uh, unreal. Uh, best thing I've ever done. Uh, best decision I've ever made to go back over, and uh, just very very fortunate that uh, Brady gave me the opportunity to kind of go back over. And um, yeah, yeah. I just tell everyone like, from my experience, I think everyone should go to college if they can, at least give it a go because I yeah I loved it. Nice, nice. And um, so then you've you've carved out carved out quite a pro career since college. Did you, when you were leaving Regis, were you pretty heart set on going pro, or were you just considering it? Because I don't remember you talking about it too much when I played with you and coached with you. But yep. um, what was your attitude like when you left Regis in terms of trying to get a pro contract? Yeah, that was 100%. I was like all in on that and probably had been since I started at college. I don't know if I talked about it a lot, but um, yeah, that was 100% what I was going to do once I was done. At least give it a crack, you know. And you're, you know, a lot of players say that, like, a, you know, it's pretty much just embedded in D2 culture. It's like, well, if you're a mm-hmm. pretty good player, like, oh, I'm going to go overseas when I'm done. You know, everyone just says that. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a fun thing to say about yourself. I said that for about... <laughs> I said that for about two games my freshman year before I realized that, you know, it went south from there. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, there's a lot of really good players who were saying, yeah, I'm going to go play overseas. I'm going to get paid for this shit. Like all the, you know, everything everybody says. But not a lot of people actually do, you know. It's, yep. it's especially now with the way that the, the talent across the globe is so much better than it was 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And it's not just like if you're a solid player in America, you can go find – a you know lucrative contract overseas mm-hmm. um i'm just curious how you navigated that and were able to carve out a position because you know like everyone who plays with you and coaches you knows how valuable you are as a player but it's not like you jump off the page in your stats or on highlight reels it is you have like a you're very valuable in, in ways that's in like winning ways but there are players whose stat lines jump off the page and their highlight reel jumps off the whatever tape, you know, whatever analogy you're going to use there, more so than yours does. So I'm curious how you were able to carve out that first contract and get yourself going. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with everything you said because you could look at my stats and be like, well, I guess he's not that good, eh? Like, or he's just <laughs> like, he's okay, he's whatever, you know, but I feel like I'm a pretty good player. Um, yeah. But, you know, like I, I feel like I do a lot of stuff – that doesn't show up in stats. Um, yeah. And I feel like I affect winning, you know, in a positive way. So I agree with what you're saying. Um, but yeah, so what helped me was I have, um, I got a British passport as well. So mm-hmm. my, my dad's side of the family is from uh, England originally. So I could get a British passport and then I could play in Europe as a local, kind mm-hmm. of as a local. Um, there's certain positions. So first year I played in Germany and you could have, uh, three foreign players on the team. So, and I, oh, well, not foreign, well, like two Europeans and one American was basically the deal. And I, I, cal- I qualified as a European. So that kind of helped me. Mm. Um, otherwise I'd be competing with Americans for the spots and then, you know, probably wouldn't have went as well. Um, and then, you know, playing in England, I got to play as a local there as well because I had the passport. So that's, uh, you know, that, that helped a lot too. So okay. if anyone has a passport, you know, can really be beneficial. Interesting. So where did you start out in Germany again? So I was in a town called Hanau. It was about a uh, half hour from Frankfurt, small little town. Okay. Um, yeah, good place, but enjoyed it. Yeah, my my uh, my grandmother, my oma listens to this, so she'll know where that is. Um, oh, awesome. <laughs> did, you, uh, did you enjoy your time in Germany? Yeah, very cool. Uh, very different being somewhere that they speak a different language where I hadn't really been before. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually like navigating living there uh, could be tough at times because especially the town I was in, it was like um, a lot of older people and a lot of the population was like from different parts of Europe. So they only spoke German. 
kind of mm. thing. A lot of the, the younger people spoke English, but like a lot of the older people are in shops and things like that only spoke German. So that could be a bit difficult. Uh, but had a great time there, man. Like uh, the teammates I was with were unreal. Uh, still good mates with some of them to this day. And nice. it's just really, really you know, cool to see a different culture. It was, yeah, it was great. Were most of the players from Germany on the team? Yeah. So we had, uh, I think seven were from Germany, uh, me being Australian, an American, and a Spanish. Okay. And was everything clean there? <laughs> clean? <laughs> clean? <laughs> yeah. Like, were people's houses clean? That's the, one of the things I noticed in Germany. It was like, I don't know. I was staying with my, um, this is a, a funny story. My, I don't know if I've told this in the podcast yet, but like I went to Europe after I graduated Regis, just, mm-hmm. I worked at a camp in Spain and then visited my girlfriend in Paris. And then I was planning to go to Germany with my own mom. I almost going to fly from America and meet me there, but she had some hang up with her passport as she was at the airport. Apparently you can't leave the country if your passport is going to expire within like a few months. And so it wasn't going to, it wasn't going to expire by the time she got back, but they still didn't let her go on the plane, which is kind of a weird rule. It's like, why don't you just make the cutoff, the cutoff, you know? Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that was frustrating. But so I went to Germany then without her because I already had a ticket and I stayed with her sister who doesn't speak English and I don't speak German. So I stayed with her and so we hung out for like five days and couldn't speak to each other, but we had to like learn how to communicate and it was actually cool. She was super nice and like drove me around and stuff um, mm-hmm. and showed me different places. But I just remember her house was like immaculately clean and her friends, I went to visit some of her friends who spoke English. They could like translate and everybody had like, it was just clean as shit. So I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that was just the neighborhood I was in, but I don't know if you got that impression. You know, it's not something I really picked up on, but it could have okay. been. It could have been, man. Yeah. Ne- never mind then. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> um, okay. So how did you play your that first year in Germany? Yeah. Um, again, like like we were talking about before, my stats wouldn't have jumped off the page at you, but had a pretty good solid year. You know, I was a good glue guy. I felt like um, played a lot of minutes, started every game. Um, so nice. had yeah, had a solid year. Uh, okay, but like you say, stats don't jump off the page, so people don't necessarily, you know, think you're doing that well. Or other what, teams, you know. Yeah, and what level of, like, I don't really understand how it works. Was there, is there different tiers of leagues, and if so, what what tier were you in in Germany? Yes, so that was Pro B. So there's Pro A and BBL. So it was third tier in Germany. Okay. okay. Um, they just got relegated from Pro A. And then they were trying to move up back up to Pro B. Um, sorry, from Pro B to Pro A. Um, and then, okay. you know, we could we could have had a chance to do that at the end of the year, but the playoffs got cancelled due to Corona. So Oh, interesting. You know, okay. Yeah. Okay. And um, you were in Germany for how long before moving? You were in Ireland next or England? England. England next. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Germany was one one season, so it was about nine, nine, ten months, something like that. Okay. And, um, you said, I remember you telling me you had a nice, a good experience in England. Yeah. Uh, really enjoyed England. Um, so the team I was on really good team, a lot of good players, um, a lot of good, like American college players. And then some guys on the team who'd played for the British national team as well. So we had a really good mix. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't play a whole lot to start the season. Um, and I mean, throughout the season, probably until like the three quarter mark, I didn't play a whole lot. Like I was playing every game, but I'd only play about 10 minutes or so, maybe 15 if I was, you know, had a better game or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but didn't play a whole lot, but I was, you know, I was contributing and had a good role off the bench, just a bit of energy, a little bit of a spark, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then got towards the end of the year, we had, had a few injuries and things like that. And then I actually ended up starting a few games at the end and then I had uh, a few really good games in the playoffs too. Uh, mm-hmm. So I ended the, ended the season really strongly and um, yeah, I was planning on going back there, but some things happened where the team ended up folding. Um, I don't even know. I'm not even sure what actually happened in the end, but the team ended up going under and then, yeah, it's kind of left without a contract. 
Okay. And is that where you are now? You're back home? Yeah, so I'm back home at the moment. I had a few other things pop up over there, but nothing that really um, – I don't know, nothing really jumped out at me. I was pretty keen to go back to the same place. I really enjoyed it there. You know, all the players and the the, the staff there, the management, really good. Um, so I was keen to go back there. But when that kind of fell apart, it was um, I was just like, I might spend a bit more time at home now because we've been away for a, you know, a long time. Yeah. And then are you now signed on to play on another team in Australia? Yeah, so I'll be playing just in my hometown here um, mm. in the, I, I think it's called MBL One, which is the second tier league in Australia. Um, so yeah, I'll be playing playing that in the new year. Cool. And what um what kind of turnout did you get at games in, in Germany and England? Well, England, we had no fans because of Corona. Oh, okay. Uh, so every, every game was empty. So that was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, Germany was pretty good, but um, the local town really got behind it pretty hard and they kind of packed out the place, so that was fun. No way, that's um, cool. Yeah, yeah, it was good. That's dope. I'm curious if your um, your your training philosophy has evolved, like your physical training, whether it's shooting or working out or conditioning or anything. What do you think mm-hmm. has changed for you in the way that you prepare for seasons or games or stake in shape during the season. Is there anything that you've picked up over your years in college or pros? Yeah, for sure. It'd be a few things. Uh, the first one would probably be like a, I put like a big emphasis on like physical fitness and being fit, like conditioning. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm always trying to stay in shape. Um, you know, Brady was always big on that. He'd always say like the easiest way to stay in shape is never to get out of it. So just keep training year round. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always try to keep, you know, some level of physical fitness going even in the off season. And does that do you do you, is that just by playing or do you run distance or sprints or what how does that look in the off season? Yeah, so I've run a lot. I've pretty much been running, you know, every day. Well, not every day, but you know, four times, four or five times a week at least recently. Mm. Um, and then I also get the cardio in through basketball workouts as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I I just think the game becomes a lot easier when you're not like trying to catch your breath every five seconds. So I I think, and I think that really helped me in my last two years in college. I think I was in pretty good shape my final two years as opposed to my first two. Mm. Um, and I think that made a big difference, like, especially on the defensive end, um, just to keep going, you know? Yeah. What about shooting workouts? Shooting. Okay. Yeah. Shooting. I'd say that I'm so back in college, I would be like, you know, I have to get this many shots in. Like, I feel like I wouldn't be able to shoot in a game if I hadn't made (laughs) these certain shots. Like I'd forget how to shoot or something. Um, But I'd say I'm more quality over quantity now. Like, Mm. because I feel like some of them bulk shooting workouts I used to do was just like, it just gets sloppy and just like, they weren't, they weren't good shots anyway. Um, so I try and, you know, if I'm doing a shooting workout, I might try and make like five out of seven from three instead of making 10 from a spot or something like that. Mm. Um, the It's still good to get bulk shots up, but more consistently like trying to aim for a target instead of, you know, just shooting until I can't shoot anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I, I felt the same way in my senior season. It was less, I don't know. I feel like some of the the crazy shooting workouts that I put myself through were, were just kind of like reaffirming my like lack of confidence <laughs> when I was like a mm-hmm. sophomore. It was just like, yeah. you, you got to go shoot your way out of this. And it was almost making things worse because it was just reaffirming that I didn't think I was good enough. And then, and then when I really was confident or when I was becoming confident my senior year, it was more like, Oh, you know, I, my shot feels great. I got a broke a sweat. I don't need to go, like you said, get sloppy and shoot for another 20 minutes when I, I'm already in my rhythm. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's interesting you point that out. Um, yeah. And what about, so you said you're using Headspace now. Mm-hmm. Are you also are you still doing meditation before bed? I'm curious what your current mindfulness meditation practice looks like. Yeah, so currently, uh, so the past probably four months or so, I've been doing it like right before bed every night. Mm. But... I have decided to change and do it. Uh, I want to do it during the day now. 
because I feel like some of the times I was just like, by the time I was doing it, I was that tired that I was just falling asleep halfway through. Mm. So I wasn't really, you know, I wasn't really practicing that well. Um, mm. So I kind of want to do it during the day where I'm a bit more alert, I guess, and, you know, take that time, that 10 yeah. minutes or whatever it is uh, to, you know, do that during the day. Yeah. And of all the athletes that I've spoken to and who've become interested in the practice, you, you're definitely one of the ones or maybe the most diligent and like consistent. I know you said you've gone through ebbs and flows of motivation, but that, that happens to everybody. So the fact that you're mm -hmm. still practicing after all these years shows that you've really taken to it and you're, you're committed to it. I'm curious if you have any aspirations to deepen it further, extend sits longer than 10 minutes or sit a retreat someday. Is that something that you've ever thought about or considered? Yeah. Well, after talking to you, you know, you talked about, you know, there could be groups around um, that I could join, something like that. Um, yeah. So I could practice, you know, with other people instead of on my own all the time. So I'm thinking about that. I think at the moment I looked into it and all the ones locally are like on Zoom currently because of Corona. Yeah, me too. So it's annoying. My, yeah. Yeah. So I'd want to wait a bit for that. But um, definitely want to, um, you know, extend the length and just keep, uh, I guess keep evolving with it and just be really super consistent and make it, you know, an everyday thing. Okay. Yeah. And speaking of COVID in Australia, what, what's the current state of the, the virus with in Australia with Omicron and how is that affecting your, um, your basketball training? And when, when does your season start actually? Yeah. So we won't start until April. So we got a few months anyway. Um, okay. But yeah, so all the cases are going up, but all the restrictions are kind of lowering at the same uh -huh. time. So it's a bit bit odd because um, usually it would be like, you know, get a few cases and then we'll lock down for a while. Um, but they're, they've decided to open everything up. It seems like a lot of the restrictions are dropping. We're still wearing masks inside, I'm pretty sure. Uh -huh. But, you know, like all the bars and stuff are open like that and all the shops. And so seems to okay. be getting, I, I guess, a bit, a bit more normal. Okay. Yeah, because you turn on some of these news stations in America and they would have you think that Australia was like in some kind of like dictatorship, like <laughs> lockdown, like concentration camps and stuff. So yeah, um, yeah. I remember you saying that wasn't quite the case over the <laughs> course of the Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's that bad. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, there were a few lockdowns that I could see like how people were getting frustrated when yeah. you go out and then you come back and have to get locked down for a bit. But um I'm not, I'm not that bothered about it really. Yeah. Well, you know, here you've got these, the, 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 the death per capita, like, like say in Florida or Texas is like 20 times that of Australia. So it's like, yeah, what mm. they did in Australia worked and we should have done the same thing. <laughs> like it's so stupid. Um, and yeah, the economy did crazy. just as good too. But, but anyway, um, so you're look, you're looking forward to playing in April. Um, mm. What it, I'm curious what your goals are or the way you envision the next, let's say, five years playing out. Are you trying to just play as long as possible? Um, wh how do you think about your short-term future? Yeah, so I guess that's kind of changed over the last few months. So when, my, when I was about to re-sign with the team in England, I was thinking like, yeah, I'm going to do this for like a long time because... I guess the, the team in England, we were about to, you know, the owners were pretty ambitious and they had a lot of money and um, they were trying to take the club, you know, to the next level and they wanted us to play in Europe mm -hmm. in like, um, I think either Champions League or Europe Cup where you'd play teams from other countries across Europe and travel other European countries, which would have been great. Um, so I was like, yeah, like this could be a good stepping stone to, um, to kind of progress the career a bit longer. And then when all that didn't work out, I kind of, I don't know. Uh, I'm not really sure what my plans are. Uh, my plans to have a good season, good upcoming season and see where that takes me. Um, if, if I get the offers from overseas again, then I think I will go at this stage, but I'm not sure. Um, mm. Yeah, I just want to, my main focus is on this upcoming season really. And then see where that yeah. takes me. Cool. So that's a, and yeah, and so. have, you, have you thought much about life after basketball? What, what you want to get up to? 
Uh, yeah, I've, <laughs> I, I got. <laughs> it's tough, man. Uh, I don't know. I'm about to start a new job, doing some support work with, um, you know, kids that have gone through trauma. So I'm starting that in the next few weeks. Oh, cool. Um, I mean, that could be a career option. I'm not sure. Uh, I've nice. always enjoyed working with kids and stuff like that. But I don't know. I'm just gotta gotta figure out what it is I'm passionate about, passionate about. I guess. Okay. Cool. And um, are you, is there any cool, any books that you've read over the last, since we've been together in Denver or anything you've gotten into, different ideas or things you've been interested in? What else have you been up to outside of basketball? Golly. Um, In regards to books, I've just been reading like some autobiographies really. Hmm. Uh, I think the last one I read was Tyson Fury, the boxer, read his book Mm. and I'm currently reading Will Smith's book. Okay. Uh, Nice. Pretty solid. Um, Outside of basketball, what have I been doing? Good. Not much, man. Uh, Yeah. It's just been kind of focused on that. Uh, I I guess my life's been like revolving around basketball when that take, where that takes me. So uh, I know COVID's made it complicated, but, whenever there's not a lockdown or pre COVID or whatever, are you still going out? Oh, like out in town or like, like partying? With, with friends. Yeah. Partying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just got back from it. Uh, I was just down, down the South coast for a few, for a week. So, um, so yeah, man, whenever I'm home, I make the most of it and go out a lot. Uh, nice. been swimming a lot lately at the beach, stuff like that, which I haven't been able to do overseas, which has been awesome. Nice. Um, yeah, just like kind of making up the lost time while while I wasn't home, you know, catching up with everyone and just you know, hanging out. Not a whole lot else has been going on there. Okay. Would you have a favorite? Uh, are you into like TV shows? Do you watch shows? I do. Yeah, watch shows. Yeah. What what shows have you liked in the last few years? Uh, so the one I'm waiting for at the moment is Ozark. I can't wait till okay. that comes back on. You watch okay. that? I started it. I didn't quite get into it, but I've heard great things. Um, maybe yeah, I should give it another I thought, shot. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's pretty good. Uh, Peaky Blinders. I thought that was pretty good. Okay. I haven't seen uh, that. That's like a British kind of gangster thing from back okay. in the day. And then what else have we watched? Um, Animal Kingdom. I like that show. That's pretty good. Is that like a uh, Discovery Channel? <laughs> nah, it's like this uh, <laughs> this family that's like into crime, and they're like in California, okay. and they just do jobs and stuff. Uh, okay. That's not bad, but yeah, you got anything? Uh, we've been way into Succession. Me and my girlfriend. Have you seen that? Mm-mm. That's worth Haven't. watching. It's on HBO. It's it's like a it's really good. It's like a this really powerful family that owns a giant media conglomerate in the U.S. Um, and all of their family dynamics, like the dad is getting old and all of the kids want to take over the company. And okay. it's, it's just great acting, great characters. Um, nice. I just recently rewatched season one of True Detective. Have you seen that? I haven't. Are you, are you on HBO at all? No, nah, I'm not. I'm just Netflix, you, really. You got to get on HBO, man. It's, it's the crack. Um, it's the shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, like, we watched Sopranos during COVID, which is, like, probably my favorite show there's like 90 episodes um that are each an hour so it was a good COVID activity um other than that what else have we oh curb we always love curb uh, yeah i'm way in all the hbo shows so i think we're missing each other yeah, a bit. Okay. did you watch did you watch you know, uh what's that go ahead yeah you know what i watched for the first time actually the, the office what? the american office okay what'd you think have you Unreal, eh? That was great. <laughs> it, is I remember, great. I, it is great. I remember in college, like, because um, I lived with Jarrett uh, the last two years, and he just used to always have it playing, like, on his TV, nonstop. Yeah. I just hear that song, like, duh, duh. <laughs> like, what are you, what are you watching, man? And he just, he'd always tell me to watch it, and I never did, but yeah, I'm glad I did because it was funny as. Yeah, it's really good. I, I do. I'm kind of a hipster, and so there's, honestly, there's part of me like, there's a lot of. I don't know. I feel like The Office has different layers of humor. Like there's mm-hmm. like there's like certain people who find parts of The Office funny that I don't think are funny, and then yeah, okay. they also don't think the parts that I think are funny are funny. 
like just like I love just the way like Jim looks at the camera, like when Michael yeah. does something <laughs> dumb, or like yeah. I think I think Creed's hilarious. Um, yeah. yeah. But but yeah, it's a great show. Honestly, I'm not a huge fan of Pam though. Like everyone like thinks Jim and Pam are cute. I'm not that into them. I, I don't know. They're like I, I was interesting. I, I was really enamored with them my first watch, but I don't know. They're kind of annoying. I don't know. Controversial. <laughs> yeah, it's a hot take. It's a hot take. That's what we that's what we do here on Sauce Talk. We like we have the diff, we have the difficult conversations that need to be had. The hard hitting topics. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. What's your What's your stance on? Um, Abortion and reproductive rights. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Oh, uh, well. Kidding. Okay. Well, do you have any advice for, like, let's say a young athlete's trying to find a good fit in college? You can make it specific to um, to somebody leaving Australia to go to America if you want, or just, like, what kind of things, like, let's say you were going through the recruiting process again, and you didn't yep. have Regis to go through, go to what kind of things mm. would you look for in a coach in a program to have a good experience? I think, well, okay. I think you should go somewhere that actually want you. Like don't, don't go somewhere just because it's D one or because you mm. think it's like, it's going to look better on your Instagram or whatever. Go somewhere that you're going to play um, a team that wants you, a coach that actually cares about you. I think they're mm. all important because it's no fun to be going somewhere uh, you could go to a D1 school, which, you know, you go two and 20 every year. And like, that's not fun. It's not fun to be losing. Um, right. And you want to go somewhere with a good culture, people that care about you. Um, and somewhere where you're going to be comfortable and enjoy it, which, you know, it can be hard to figure out in the recruiting process until you actually get to the school. Um But I guess you could look at the coach's record, things like that, conversations, the kind of vibe you get from a coach. Um, but that would be my main thing. I think go somewhere, you know, that wants you instead of somewhere that you think will look cool. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. I think that's important advice and it's hard to communicate that to someone who's in like, yeah. you know, the high school status chase and it's totally understandable to want to go D1, but I, I totally agree with that. Cause and then what about, do you, do you sorry, agree sorry, that sorry. like, do you, sorry, do you like the level of D2 is still really good? Like, I don't think people realize that like it's it's still a very tough competition. Um, yeah, especially the guards and the wings. Um, yeah, I think anyone who's like seven foot and skilled, there's not that many of them, and they're all going D one. Mm. So yeah. I think the you know trying to finish in the paint and play in the post is probably much different at that level, especially when you're getting yeah. into like high major D one. Like you know, oh, no like, doubt, no doubt the bigs are just unbelievable, but there's so many fucking good six, two guards, you know, like mm. across America, not, there's not enough spots in D one for all of the great guards and wings and stuff. So, yeah. but yeah, I agree. Like, you know, there's great basketball in D two. And you even see some of these examples of late bloomer D two guys like Derek white mm. who end up in the NBA. They're not that yeah. common, but they, they do happen sometimes. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And then what about playing pro? I know you you had somewhat of an advantage over some of my other friends who are competing for limited U.S. roster spots, right? Um, yeah. But I mean, I just I come back to this because so many people. I, I think one of the things is like graduating on time seems to be important mm -hmm. because anyone, you know, like Noah King definitely could have played a pro somewhere. I feel like he's he's a very good yeah. player, but he just had another year of school to finish. And that makes it so much harder. Same with Christian. Um, same with my friend Jarrett Green. Like when you have to come back for another semester, it seems like that makes it almost impossible to compete with the next round of players coming out. But um, yeah. other than that, like you've been through it and you actually carved out a successful career, which you you might be the only person from Regis who's done that that I know of, I think. Um, huh. So I'm wondering if you have any... Uh, Dexter got a contract, but then didn't want to. He definitely could have kept going if he wanted to. But anyway, right, right. what what um do you have any other tips on on finding a path there? Uh, I think getting a good agent helps. Uh, mm -hmm. Someone who's gonna you know get your name out to the right people and the right you know the right level for you to begin with. Mm -hmm. um, and you know once you get there, you got to just do your thing, right? You just got to 
make a name for yourself. It doesn't matter. I don't think it matters that much where you start. You see guys progress from like lower leagues up to you know really high level all the time once they're over there. I think it's just about getting out there and putting yourself out there and then just working. Like once you get there, the work's just beginning. Like you got to keep going. Um, yeah. You can't just be comfortable. Say I've got a spot here and then that's that. You got to you know, try and progress it a bit. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, it, like you say, it can be really tough. There's so many good guards and stuff. And like you say, all them boys like Christian, Noah, they could all they could all do it. They could still do it, but it's just like, you know, getting getting that first one on your resume and then going from there, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that was one question I forgot to ask earlier. So one of your qualities that made you kind of stand out was your consistency and that was something that I was pretty good at too is like mm-hmm. showing up every day with the same energy and effort and attitude and you really had that throughout your whole career uh, I remember one I think I remember early on your freshman year you puked in the trash can <laughs> during like like a preseason workout and Brady was like <laughs> fuck yeah like <laughs> um, do you like, do you go through the same stuff that all of us go through I'm sure you do of just like you don't feel it on a day and you, but you like, I'm curious how you are able to summon that kind of work ethic and energy and positive attitude day in and day out. Like, well, how do you, yeah. how do you bring that? I don't know. I just, it's just like so many days, like it'd be like, you know, the early starts, how tough they can be at times when we're getting up and practice at like five forty. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a lot of the days I didn't want to be there as well. Um, but it's just like once I get going, I'm just like I can't stop myself. I just like I can't really go go to it and then not go hard kind of thing. I, I have that. I have a problem with that. Um, yeah, I don't have the problem, but um, good problem. Yeah, yeah. It's like once I'm there, I, I might as well get stuck in and rip in, you know. So um, yeah. it just kind of you know, it's not something I'm kind of that conscious of of like being that consistent, but it um, just kind of happens, I guess, for me. For sure. Okay, last question. What do you have a favorite memory, uh, specific game or moment at Regis? Ooh, uh, probably a couple. One would be senior year at Mesa when we'd be, we were down by like I don't know, down by about fifteen. We'd been trailing the whole game, and we were at Mesa, and the crowd was just giving it to us as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, we came back, came back, and then I scored like I scored a fair few points in the second half at the end there, and then Jarrett hit a three pointer on the buzzer, and that oh, was yeah, unreal. I remember that? Yeah, everyone everyone went crazy. Um, the crowd was still yelling at us, and we're just going crazy. That was unreal. <laughs> uh, winning the Armac tournament was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was unforgettable. Um, even the game leading up to that, the one where we beat Mines in the semi before it. And just after yeah. it, like everyone was so pumped, running back to the running back to the locker room. Everyone was sprinting in, and we all yeah. got in there and went went wild. That was cool too. So and that, um, that alley oop from Christian to Ty at the end was so sick. Yeah, so yeah, sick. yeah, yeah. So I don't know. There's just so many games, but them ones kind of stand out to me. Yeah, awesome. Well, Beastie, it was a pleasure getting you on the podcast. You've been an early. Uh, you know, I've, I've long wanted to have you on here and this might be like my last round of podcasts for a while. So I'm really cool. glad we could make this happen. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a, it was a pleasure playing with you and coaching you or, you know, being around for those great seasons and yeah, it's just great to connect in this way. And I wish you the best of luck in the rest of your pro career. Thanks, mate. Yeah, pleasure. Uh, I love what you're doing with all this stuff, and it's really good to see see uh, how you're progressing as well. Uh, so, yeah, good stuff, man. Thanks, man. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you want to hear more about my story in athletics and meditation and other ideas about sports and how they relate to a good life, you should pick up a copy of my new book, Harder Than I Thought, Easier Than I Feared, the subtitle sports anxiety and the power of meditation and you can find a link to that in the show notes to this episode it also helps me out to leave podcast reviews on apple podcasts or spotify and to leave a book review on amazon 
Thank you so much for your support and I'll see you here for the next episode. sauce.